Good morning, and welcome to the Cyber Smart Morning News Update. With the always evolving world of cyber threats and defense, you need a source you can trust. FBI retired Special Agent Darren Mott guides you through today's intricate cyber landscape and brings you the latest headlines and insights and what it means to you. Let's dive into today's cyber news. Good morning, friends. It is Wednesday, January 10th. 2024. This is the Cyber Smart Morning News Updates. Thanks so much for taking the time to download. Since it's Wednesday, that means it's Deep Dive Wednesday. I have four tabs open. I'm sure there's a lot more news because I actually end up like just clearing out about 11 tabs without even looking at their content because these were four of interest. Um, they're high, mostly informational pieces. It's not so much like news news per se, but some of it is. But it's kind of uh, identifies some threat actor activity because, you know, I, I like to say, understand the threats, assess your risk, right? So this is understanding the threats that the bad guys are, how the bad guys are using their TTPs, their tools, tactics, and procedures, or protocols, depending on who you talk to, um, and how they're doing what they're doing and what to be on the lookout for, because these could impact uh, pretty much anyone listening to this podcast. So let's get to the first one, cybernews.com, Polina Oquinte reporting. The hidden truth behind e-receipts, are they a privacy backdoor? This was an interesting headline, so grab me, um, and it's a pretty interesting article in the sense of something we don't think about when we are getting our receipts from Walmart or Starbucks or wherever. And they say, do you need a receipt? Well, just email it to me. Is that going to be a problem? So every piece of shared information leaves a digital footprint. But while customer data is a goldmine for the e-commerce industry, the emergence of e-receipts should be another way to collect, could be another way to collect private data. An e-receipt is a digital record of a financial transaction issued by a seller to a buyer. This form of receipt is typically delivered via email or through a mobile app after a purchase has been made online or in a physical store. As commerce is pushing towards digi digitalization, e-receipts have emerged as environmentally friendly alternative to their traditional paper counterpart. For example, coffee giant Starbucks saved 17,000 rolls of paper in just two months by issuing digital receipts. Uh, however, the digital record keeping of the customer's transaction has a dark side to it. Audits by the Data Protection Commission didn't even know that existed, showed that in a number of cases, customers' email addresses gathered for the purpose of issuing e-receipts were subsequently used by retailers to send marketing materials potentially violating privacy laws. So when you, you give them their email, and I, I've seen this before, right? I didn't think about that. So when, you, when, they, when Starbucks says you want to email your receipt, sure, we'll put your email in. There's no privacy warning or anything that you look at that says we promise not to sell your information. And clearly, company, I'm not saying Starbucks is doing it, but there's clearly there's companies that are selling that. So when you get all of a sudden you get a bunch of emails like, how am I getting this email from a place I've never been to? It might be, might be, is the key word here, because of your e-receipts. Uh, more from the article. While access to data about your purchases might be beneficial in some cases, retailers could send you discount coupons or other similar products. For example, there's always the question of privacy and safety. Um, so according to the DPC, at the point of purchase, customers must be told that they're being asked for their email to receive an e-receipt. It must then be made clear to give their e giving their email is optional and they can still get a hard copy uh, if they prefer. There are laws surrounding email marketing that must be followed. You cannot gather a person's email address from an e-receipt and then start sending them emails that they cannot opt out of. So I guess that, that is true. Like when I get these things from wherever, I have no idea where they come from. I can opt out of it. So, but still a pain in the butt, right? Um, if emails are gathered to issue e-receipts, then retailer plans to use them for marketing purposes. Regulations require that a customer is informed beforehand of an op offer op and offered an opt out. Not sure I'm seeing that, but, uh, the bigger issue really for me, how are bad guys going to be using this? So, and, and this article does somewhat address that. Um, another issue with gathering customer data 
is cybersecurity. No system is immune to hacking, and many in the industry lack all the necessary security measures, which we've certainly seen over the course of four or five months doing this podcast. We've certainly seen that. This put customer data at risk, as the retailer system can always be hacked and the customer's data leaked. So this is, uh, quote, uh, the risks involved in collecting and storing customer data through e-receipts include cyber attacks and data leaks, which could expose customers' personal and financial information to hackers or unauthorized parties. This could result in identity theft. Could, again, all this is could. Identity theft, fraud, or legal actions against the retailers. Companies should be transparent about how the customer's data is stored. That's really the key to this article, right? How are companies storing this data? Because honestly, let's say that you get a paper receipt, but you give your email anyway. Like, I know Lowe's, I've done this, where... For whatever reason, they ask for my email, but then I get a paper receipt, but they still have all the information that transaction stored somewhere that if a bad guy can get to, he can do bad stuff with it. So again, what is the point of this article? The point of this article is just to understand where you're sending your information, how it may be being used, and then, I mean, be on the lookout for potential attacks from it if bad guys get into systems and steal your information because you're not saying don't use the receipt. I'm just saying be, be aware be aware of the threats targeting you so you can assess your risk. Darkreading.com, hospitality hackers, target hotels, booking.com, logins. Terra Seals reporting this one. Cyber attackers are hitting the digital road looking to make virtual stops at various hotels that contract with booking.com to sell rooms. The idea is to fish the hotel's backend booking.com logins with the aim of taking over the accounts and ultimately harvesting data on the hotel's customer. According to an analysis from Perception Point on the campaign, the threat actors are significantly innovating in their tactics by focusing on specific industry practices and relationships to conduct targeted and compelling phishing attacks. For instance, many of the phishing messages are to hotel managers claiming that former guests are writing scathing reviews on their property online. The emails encourage the hotels to log on and reply to the complaints and helpfully they contain a reply to complaint link. Once duped into clicking, recipients are directed to a fake but very convincing looking booking.com website where they put in their information, their their information is stolen, and then boom goes the dynamite. So once the attackers have access to a hotel's booking.com profile, the larger aim is to execute mass phishing campaigns against hotel guests, according to Perception Points report. By possessing hotel's booking.com credentials, attackers are privy to guest information, which is certainly useful, to hack a hotel and the real payload low, low lies in the customer data. So the point here being, obviously, is to, again, be aware where your data is being stored. If you have a booking.com account, you may want to change your password and turn on multi-factor authentication. The problem is third-party hotels may put your data at risk. Is there a way to protect yourself? If not so much, but there's a way to pay it, be aware of these threats so that you can pay attention to your account information. So like if your credit card is stored on a hotel's website and someone is for whatever reason gets access to that information, you can at least be on the lookout for um, fraudulent use of your credit card and stuff like that. So again, another area of potential risk that again, not, not, not because of what we do, but because of the inability of companies to address all the cybersecurity concerns they have. Now, I would guess bookings.com is a fairly large company with a pretty good profit margin. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but um, I'm guessing they do okay. And they should be able to afford training to tell people not to click on links. But again, this is going to hotels, not to booking.com people. So um, the hotels need to be aware that they are being targeted of this as well. Um, because again, everybody is or could be a target. This one I just found humorous because of the title. Uh, Lawrence Abrams reporting from Bleeping Computer, U.S. SEC's X or Twitter account hacked. 
to announce fake Bitcoin EFT approval. How beautiful was that? The X account for the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission was hacked today to issue a fake announcement on the approval of Bitcoin ETFs on security exchanges. The announce came on, actually came on, yes, Tuesday afternoon in a now-deleted tweet from the SEC's hacked account. Today, the SEC grants approval to Bitcoin's ETFs for listing on registered national security exchanges, read the fake post. The approved ETFs will be subject to ongoing surveillance and compliance measures to ensure continued investor protection. Very well put, I must say. The tweet included an image of SEC Chairman Gary Gensler and a quote promoting the alleged approval. Um, And then news quickly spread with many cryptocurrency and mainstream sites covering the story and Bitcoin prices briefly spiking. However, Bitcoin's jump in price was short-lived as it pulled back on news that the account was hacked. So the purpose of this was to basically... uh, uh, make Bitcoin's price go up. So someone probably made some money on that. But it goes again to show a couple of things, right? You would think, like to think, the SEC's X account had multi-factor authentication and a good password. Clearly it did not. Or someone clicked the link they weren't supposed to. Who knows exactly how this happened? Because chances are we will not get a postmortem and find out how it happened, but it did happen. So as you, if you are a cryptocurrency person, like we've talked about cryptocurrency a lot for the last couple of weeks for a variety of reasons, uh, and you're looking to make money, just be wary of these kind of reports and do due diligence before you get yourself hosed um, by trading when you're not supposed to. But again, the point of this art, the reason I even picked this was because the SEC got hacked, right? Did they report to themselves? That's my question. I wonder if they reported this particular compromise to themselves. I wonder. That's an interesting question to which, again, we will probably never know all right hackernews.com this is the last one beware youtube videos promoting crack software distribute luma stealer so i I note this one because obviously if you have kids or you have relatives or you have friends that are young they're always looking for ways to download things for free because software is expensive movies are expensive music not so much expensive but still people will download it illegally Uh, and now bad guys know that and so they're using the the generation z or whatever generation we're in their favorite platform besides tiktok i guess youtube youtube probably number one tiktok close but anyway using that platform to trick them into downloading malware so threat actors are resorting to youtube videos featuring content related to cracked software in order to entice users into downloading an information stealer malware called luma Quote, these YouTube videos typically feature content related to cracked applications presenting users with similar installation guides and incorporating malicious URLs, often shortened using services like TinyURL and Cutly, said Fortinet Fortigard Labs researcher Carolyn uh, from the analysis. This is not the first time pirated software videos on YouTube have emerged as an effective bait for stealer malware. Previously, similar attack chains were observed delivering Stealers, clippers, and crypto mining malware. In doing so, the threat actors can leverage the compromised machines for not only information and cryptocurrency theft, but also to abuse the resources for illicit mining. So the point here being, bad guys are going to go where they know people will click on links. And so if you can entice people into an activity they already engage in, so people who download movies, music, and games are probably looking for ways to, you know, how, what's the, you know, what is, uh, what's a good... Uh, code for this particular piece of software, right? The uh, the authorization code. Um, and so the video sends them a link, they go to the link and they download bad stuff because they're, they're stupid. People are stupid. People always click the link. I've said this for 
nigh on a decade in doing presentations that the reason bad guys win is because someone always clicks the link somewhere. This is just more evidence of that. My guess is we will see a news article soon where this happens on TikTok. It's probably, it is probably is happening on TikTok because no one's doing the research for it. I guarantee you it's happening on TikTok. So again, if you have young people who love the YouTubes, make them aware of this particular issue and to be careful um, because again, bad things can happen. As always, the articles listed or identified or talked about on this podcast are listed in the show notes. You're welcome to go read them uh, more. There's a little bit more on each of these. I, I talked a lot about most of them, so you get the gist. But if you want to see more, you certainly can. As always, thoughts, comments, questions are welcome at Darren at thecyberguy.com or follow me on LinkedIn, read my Substack. Get a hold of me however you need to. Know the knowledge is protection. If we understand the threat to targeting us, we can assess our risk, proceed wisely. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for downloading. Thanks to those who share and tell others, uh, leave reviews and all that kind of stuff at your favorite podcast provider. Until tomorrow, let's be safe out there. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. Cyber Smart Morning News is written and produced by CyberGuy Productions. Feel free to email thoughts, comments, or suggestions to Darren at thecyberguy.com or follow Darren on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash in slash Darren Mott. Thanks for listening.